You know, as Christmas is something that we like to celebrate, as it's a, a very significant time on the Christian calendar, and maybe it's very significant in your family calendar. Uh, we get all uh, caught up in the atmosphere and the delight and, and the, the various treats, the, the various decor, all these kind of things, the parties, the, the music. It's, it's, it's very thrilling. It, it, it can be. It can be a very thrilling time. But it's amazing that it, it is also in, in our nation one of the darkest, most sorrowful times for so many. So many are looking for something miraculous. They're looking for something significant. And, and when we use that word miraculous, I don't, I, I don't want to take it for granted. We're talking about something out of the ordinary, something extraordinary, something supernatural that is beyond the natural capacity in their world. They're looking for it. And the Christmas message, as, as we've looked at it, is Jesus doing and bringing the miraculous with Him. That, that it's, it's not something that's meant to be taken lightly or taken for granted or just passed by and it'll come and go and, and we'll just let it deal with and it's time and then we'll put all the decorations up and, and it's like we put up the message and the miracle itself. But the, the miracle of Christ, the miracle that is found in the Christmas story is one that is meant to bring delight to the soul and transform our life all 365 days. Last week we looked at the significance of this miraculous moment. We looked at how God sent His Son at just the right time, in just the right way. That it was a miraculous moment. And, and we, can't, we don't need to just pass by the, the significance and the gravity of how God orchestrated all of that together so that we, one, might know Him, two, might have peace with Him, and three, live to bring glory to Him that would ultimately also bring about our own good. This is the moment that has arrived in the Christmas narrative. But there's not only a miracle in that moment and how significant it was that God orchestrated everything according to His divine, all-powerful will. How He bent it to make it His so that we might be made His. There's also a significant miracle in the message The message of Jesus, the message of His coming is so huge. There's there's so much weightiness in it, so much value from it, so much transformation that can come in our life when we know it and trust it and see that He is good. So today I hope to communicate to you why the message of Christmas is the miraculous message of Christ and how it is both simple and complex and how it is what we all desperately need. And if the world is looking for a miracle, the Lord has provided the miracle in that perfect moment, the fullness of time, but He's also provided it in the message that needs to be communicated about His Son. So today we're going to look at how God uncovers and and clarifies that message. We're going to see how this message not only brings clarity, but we're going to see how it is very concise. We're going to see how it is convicting. We're going to see how it is compassionate. We're going to see how it is compelling in our life and, and why that matters. 
But as we do, let's look at the message itself from the Word of God. I'm going to invite you to turn in your copy of the text, the Bible, God's Word. And we're going to be in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John chapter 3, a very, very familiar passage. And if you are looking in our sermon, uh, our pew Bibles, it's going to be on page 943 if you're looking for that. By the way, it's our little plug here. If you do not have a personal copy of the Bible that you can read and understand, we want to provide one to you that is readable and faithful to the translations. And so this English uh, translation is yours. You can have it. It's not just for decoration. Please make it yours. You can write your name in the cover, take it home, and please use it. We would have no greater joy than to ultimately get it in your hands, but hopefully in your heart as well. So as we do, the writing, the, the scripture will be on the screen behind me, but we're asking you to copy and follow along in your copy. Would you stand with me? We're going to be reading from chapter 3, the 16th verse, probably one of the most memorable verses within Christendom of America. Within our context, most people may have come in contact in the church with this verse and its following. It says this, For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Anyone who believes in Him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we have read from Your Word. In fact, we have read Your words. Conversation that came from Your lips. Jesus Christ, who walked this earth. And I pray that we would not treat them with disdain. I pray that we would not take them for granted. I pray that we would see the miraculous gift of this message to your people. From you, a holy God, that desired to do the extraordinary. To save wretched sinners and call them sons and daughters. So, Lord, I pray that today you would have your way with your word in your church. I pray that it would not only have root in this place, but wherever the word is being proclaimed today, through leaders, through volunteers, through moms and dads, through pastors, whoever may be preaching from your text, God, work in a miraculous way, and particularly in this place, as we long and need desperately to hear from you and how that makes all the difference. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So each time when we come to the text, when we come to the Scripture, we are always trying to help people answer four major questions when it comes to the text. We're wanting them to see what does it say, to read it for themselves. That's why we make sure we provide these Bibles. We say, take it home with you. We're not just going to keep them and say, no, you can only see them for a select few minutes on Sunday morning when you're using this room. No, we want you to have it. We're thankful that we live in a time and place where it is so readily available. 
It is, it is in the English translation from these original languages of the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic and we can have access to it. And we don't want to take that for granted because we see that in the words of Scripture are God-breathed, inspired, inerrant, infallible words. Gifts from God so that we might know Him. We might draw near to Him. So we never want to take for granted. We want to make sure we focus on what it says and let it drive our lessons. Let it drive what we're learning. Let it drive how we're growing. But we also need to see what does it mean. The Gospel of John was the last of the four Gospels that were written of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it was written uh, as one of the latter books of the New Testament. Uh, there near the end of the first century. When the New Testament, these 27 books, were completed. And John is writing to a very Gentile world. Gentile being people that did not grow up culturally Jewish. Did not grow up in the ways of, of learning the Old Testament and letting it drive their life. And John is writing to them, these people that are in need of a miracle as all people are. And he's writing to them so that they might know and might believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior King, the Redeemer, the one who is both fully God and fully man. And by knowing him, we may have life. Redemption would be possible in our life. We could be saved from our sins. That's the very goal of that. That's, that's looking and seeing what it means. So when we're looking at this text, we can't just say, well, I think it means or I feel it means. No, we're going to see what it means as it was intended to mean. But then we're going to find that in our life there might be some application. Perhaps today you've come in and maybe you've even heard that text before, but you've still been a little confused. You still have some questions. There's still some areas that are a little rough that that God is having to refine in your life. And we're going to see how that application meets those personal needs within all of us. But lastly, the question is, will I trust what God is revealing, what God is saying, as we look in His Word today? As we look in, in this text, what we're going to find in the message of Christ is first, it's a message that brings clarity. It's a message that displays compassion. It's a message that speaks very concisely. It's a message that carries conviction. And it's a message that's compelling. Why is it all of those things? Because in order for the the message to be miraculous, to be life transforming, to do something out of the ordinary, it has to carry all of those qualities. If any of them are missing, we might miss the message. You ever got one of those moments where you missed a call... Or you missed the note and it just really messed up the day. It really made conflict conversations later on. Perhaps because you forgot to put something on the calendar. You know, those things. That, that you forgot to call somebody and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this or I'm going to be a little bit later. Maybe it was even something bigger. Maybe you missed a significant opportunity because the message wasn't completed. It wasn't there for you. Well, I would hate for you to come to a church that is all about saying we want people to know about Jesus and yet you miss the message of Jesus. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ, the message of Christ. 
So we've got to be really careful in how we make this known. But we also don't need to make it so complex that it's difficult to hear. Some people looking at Jesus' life, they were confused. They were confused about why He said the things He said. Why He challenged people the way He did. Why He would love certain people the way He did. Why He would be compassionate and heal certain people the way He did. Why He would even pay attention to others that were considered by many to be unworthy. They were conflicted and confused. They were also confused because here was someone that, from all appearances, was not highly educated, did not carry the right pedigrees or degrees, and yet spoke with authority. There was no one like Him to communicate the Word. And they're confused by that. They were also confused like, how is He able to accomplish what He accomplished? I mean, it was not unusual to find people that were really challenging the status quo. There were many rebellions in the day. There were many turnabouts of government and, and, and who was in charge. So challenging the status quo, that wasn't completely unusual. There were people that made you think and, and really helped you learn what was going on and how to read a situation, how to read what the truth is. That wasn't completely abnormal either. There were many philosophers in Jesus' day. But the one thing that was hard to refute was the way He was able to work the miraculous. To heal the blind. Those who did not have eyes and to give them sight. To take those that were lame. And we're not sure if they were lame like without the muscle ability to do and walk. Or if they were missing limbs. We don't know exactly how this was healed. But they were healed by His touch. There were those that were unable to speak. And, and their lips were loosened so that they could speak. There were those that were unable to hear. And now they were hearing. There were those who were diseased. And He would compassionately touch the contagious not so that he took on what they had but so that they would take on what he had holy awesome miraculous power that would bring peace and the other thing that was difficult to challenge is how jesus yet being as firm as he was loved so many and so There was one person that we see in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, that decides, I'm going to go get some clarity from Jesus. I'm going to go hear from Him. I'm not just going to listen to what so-and-so has said about Jesus. I'm going to go learn for myself from Jesus. And and by the way, that's just a great plug. It is good to learn from others. But man, the fact that we have access to go to the Bible ourselves and learn from Jesus, man, what a gift. What an incredibly extraordinary gift. But this man named Nicodemus, we'll just call him Nick. Uh, he came at night, so you have Nick at night. And he is there coming to Jesus. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. And Jesus worships says, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, born again? That's a confusing phrase. It is a biblical phrase. 
It is a phrase we should know, but it is a confusing phrase. Nicodemus is puzzled here. So, how are we going to do that? I, I want the kingdom of God. You're saying I can't get it unless this happens. So, tell me how this works. And it becomes a very unique conversation, as you can guess. But what is Jesus going to clarify to Nicodemus? He tells him that something is going to happen to himself, to Jesus. That he is going to be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. That's what verse 15 says. But then he goes and says, this is the reason. If you want clarity on what it means to be born again and why and how this is going to happen, this is the reason. God loves the world in this way. That He gave His only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. You know, a few years ago uh, in, in some college sports, there was uh, people wearing John 3.16. They were having the big signs in the end zone. And this became one of the most searched out verses uh, according to Bible Gateway, uh, one of the chief Bible research uh, sites online. People were looking at this verse. They had no idea what John 3.16 meant. They knew when they saw wrestling, they saw Austin 3.16, but they didn't know what John 3.16 meant. And so they were looking. And it, for many, there were conversations, God loves the world? God loves us in this way? And, and what it was doing, it was making things fire within their heart and in their mind. That God loves us this way. The Bible is given to us so we may have clarity that God loves. That, that, that's, that's why all this is about. That God loves us in this way that He would send His only Son. Today, I don't know where you are with the Lord. I've had conversations and many of you have, have really deep loving walks with Jesus. But for some in this room, I, I don't know where you are. And, and perhaps you've been lacking clarity. Can God love me? Because you may look at your life and be like, I think I'm completely unlovable. In fact, you may have had other messages from your life, people in your life saying, that's what the case is. You're unlovable. But that is not what the Scripture says. It makes us focus in that God loves us. It gives us this clarity. But it also displays compassion. This message is not just one that God says, hey, I love you. And He walks out of the room. No, He puts that love out on the line. That He gave His only Son. The Bible puts it this way in Romans chapter 5. That God demonstrates His love for us. And He does so in this way. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when it says the Father loved the world in this way that He gave His only Son, He's saying, I gave Him up to die for you. I gave Him up to be your substitute. I gave Him so that He would die so that you might have life. So that where you were unrighteous, you might be righteous. So where you were unholy, you might be holy. So where there was a curse, there might be blessing. Where there was death, there might be life. This is what I did. That He was substituting Himself in, in your place. And in my place. Now I've had people tell me all kinds of things that are very kind before. 
But we all know that there are things that speak louder than words. There are elements in our life that speak much louder than words. People could say all kinds of kind words to us. And man, I love kind words. I, I'm, I'm really egotistical, by the way. I'll just let you know. I'm really egotistical. Man, stoke that ego with them, with the, with the affirmation. That does wonders for me. But it's also on the flip side of the coin. One bad word of negativity. And I'm like, oh, the world is crumbling down. And so here's the problem with that. I could read this and be like, God loves me. But then I could turn and say, all who have sinned have fallen short of the glory of God. And be like, well, God doesn't love me anymore. Topsy-turvy. I can live my life that way. But that is not what the word fully conveys. It says, yes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God demonstrates his love. He did a once and for all miraculous demonstration with this message that was more than words. It was displaying His compassion. He loved the world in this way. He gave His only Son. One and only Son. How compassionate is that? I don't know where you are today with the Lord. Perhaps you've needed some clarity. Perhaps you need to know that God loves you more than words. And I implore you that this season, while you're looking at the manger, look at it beyond to the cross. Because that's where the target of the manger is. It's leading directly to the cross. And see that God came as that baby to save you. And God died as that man to save you. And God rose again as the Messiah King to save you and I. Because His love is great. His message brings clarity. It displays compassion. But it's also incredibly concise. And I want to show you how concise it is. So that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. This is the concise message. So that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, for Nicodemus, the one that Jesus is having this conversation with, he is a man with with degrees upon degrees and pedigrees upon pedigrees. He is a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he has a public reputation to uphold. That's why he came to Jesus at night. But he's confused. Because all of his life has been dedicated to being a rigid rigid. Look for the right word. To desire with all that is in him the right text, the right words, the right knowledge. To just know the right thing. To have the right answer is everything. That is the direction of his life. And to live that out rightly as best as he can to a rigid ability. And if that is the case, And you are able to perpetuate that in your offspring. And you're able to perpetuate that in your community. And you're able to perpetuate that in your family. And perpetuate that in your city. Then you have done the job of a good Hebrew. And perhaps you will be credited as that, as a faith of righteousness. But what Jesus says, let's wipe all that out. Because 
Here's the deal from the beginning. All the world is already condemned. All of them have already sinned and fallen short. There's no right answer that you can get right at this point. But here's what I will tell you. Everyone who believes in the Son will not perish but have eternal life. As simple as that, everyone who comes to Jesus and places their faith in Him, the Bible uses this word to repent and believe. That's, that's the biblical language. To not depend on your own life, your own self, your own way, your own academics, your own status, your own resources, or whatever you want to put in your own, and say, that I will repent of, and I will place my faith, my life in Jesus' hands. I yield it over to Him. That's what belief is. Belief is not, I walked down an aisle one time, I nodded my head at the right place, I filled out a card, and I got wet. Belief is I place my life in Jesus. It's His. And for everyone who does that, they will not perish. They will have eternal life. It's a message that's very concise. We sometimes really have a difficult time sharing this in in our gospel with people as we're we're trying to make the, the words known. I'm stumbling over words right now. But we need to be people that says, what Jesus wants you to know, we want to make clear. We don't want to muddy it up. We want to be sharing it with compassion. And we want you to know it's so concise. There is nothing you can do on your part. Jesus has already done it for you. Everyone who believes in Him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. That's as concise as it is. But it's also a message... That it's called the good news. Why is it good news? Because, well, there is bad news. The greatest news is that which is, it, it lifts us up after there's bad news, after there's conflict, after there's problems. And so for Nicodemus here in this moment, hearing this message of love, some people will stop there and say, will not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. They'll stop there, but what they need to make sure they communicate is this. This married message carries conviction. This is why you need Jesus. Because we could look at this message and be like, oh, that's very clear. God loves me. He's demonstrated that love. He's made a way for that love to be received. Cool. Maybe I'll check it out later. Maybe I'll come back to it whenever I need to feel religious. When I need to be more spiritual. When when I've been a bad person, I need to be a better person. But here's what the Bible says. It says you're already a bad person. I'm a bad person. I have failed in the human experience because sin is in my life. Sin is in all of our lives. And what Jesus says to Nicodemus in this moment of how grave the situation is, why it's so convicting, He says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. That was not the purpose. Jesus didn't come so to send people to hell. He was coming to save people already going there. To save the world through Him. Because it goes on to say, this is the convicting part, anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. Good news. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned. They're already in a status of condemnation. And they remain there because they have not believed in His name. 
of the one and only Son of God. You see, to hear the message and as clear and compassionate and concise as it is, and yet to miss the convicting point, the fact that we are desperately in need, all of us, of good news because of sin that is separated us from God and the wages of sin being death, that condemnation is already on all of mankind until they come to a place of faith in Christ. This is why we need to share that part. A lot of people will get really intense and I even don't like the, the difficult parts of sharing this with the gospel. We don't like to talk about hell. We don't like to talk about death. We don't like to talk about sin. We don't like to talk about unrighteousness. Those are, bleh, don't do that. But we need people to understand how grave this situation is. No matter how religious they may seem already in their life too. Look at who Jesus is communicating. He wanted to make sure that even Nicodemus, the one that had checked off every single thing you could say as far as religiously educated, of great status, he too needed the gospel. Every single one. And if he needs the, so do I. So do you. So do they. Every one of them. And we've got to realize that condemnation already hangs on this sentence, this penalty on the life of those who have not yet believed. And that's why we need to plead desperately with them to hear This miraculous message, this work of God out of the extraordinary. Why? Because that is the message that is compelling. That is the message that millions upon millions have received through the millennia. Have come to a place where they understand that hope has a name. Peace has a face. And this holiday we call Christmas is indeed a Christmas miracle that we celebrate each and every year. And in a world of darkness, man, we can be that which Jesus says we are. Light to the world. A light pointing and say, see that hope has a name. See that peace has a face. See what He did for you. Because God is trying to make Himself known clearly to a lost world. What does that mean for us as a church? It means our, it's our responsibility to carry that message and to carry it well. God is trying to bring that message with clarity to those who need to hear it. There may be those in this room today, you have been here for a long time and you may be just as qualified or you consider yourself just as religious as Nicodemus and yet you have not come to a place where the message, the gospel was clear to you and you too need it. But there is a world that needs us to demonstrate that. There's a world that needs us to demonstrate it with compassion. That Jesus didn't come and arrive on the scene and says, all right, I'm here to love you, jerkwads. That's not what Jesus did. He didn't look at people and go, He didn't look at people and go, no, you're not like me. He showed them love to the uttermost. He showed love to the diseased and the disabled and, and the, the disfigured. 
He showed love to the distance from God and to those that didn't even know they were distant from God. He did it in a way that communicated concisely what He was here to do. To seek and to save that which was lost. He did it in a way that He didn't avoid the convicting parts. He was sure that we knew from His words that what He was conveying was serious. It was good news that overcomes the bad news. It was the good news that in this world we will have trouble, but take heart, He has overcome the world. It was the news that in our life of sin, death and, and sin has a sting. But in the resurrection of Jesus, there is life. And so today, I want to ask you, has that message compelled you? Has that miraculous message compelled you, first of all, to draw near to Jesus and receive peace that only He can provide? Have you come to a place where you have trusted Him, that you have believed in Him? turning away from the old way of life, but coming to Him and finding the new? Have you been compelled to find that? And secondly, if you say yes, has that message been so compelling that your desire is still yet again so that others might know that the miracle of the message? And let's make this season more than lights and strings. Let's make it more than bells ringing and songs singing. Let's let the message resonate because it is a miraculous message. And today, if you need to follow Jesus in some decision that you come and need to talk to someone in prayer, I'd love to help you with that. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. Lord Jesus, today as we... uh, have this place where we come to a conclusion for our worship gathering this day. I pray that through all the things that we have done today, that you have been glorified and we have communicated the good that is found in you, the gospel that that is only because of you. But today in this moment where we had the ability to respond, I pray that you would work in this room as only you can to draw hearts near to you, for those that need to find salvation and peace, to repent and believe the gospel and follow you, that they would hold nothing back because the message is so compelling it draws them. Not a message from this preacher, but the message from your very lips that you loved the world in this way, that you were sent, and that everyone who believes in you, the one and only Son, will have eternal life, will not perish. God, move us as only you can in this moment to follow after the direction that you lead and help us to encourage those who make such a decision to follow that message. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, I want to be here in the front and if you need someone to talk to about your next step with Jesus, it might even be your very first step, if you're honest, that you have never come to a place where you said, I know that there is no one like God and that Jesus is Him and I'm believing in Him. I'm placing my life in His hands. If that's you and you're needing to place your faith in the Lord Jesus and you need help with that, please, I'd love to help you. If you're here and there's some other direction that the God is is compelling you towards, 
Maybe it's membership with this church. Maybe it's baptism. We're going to have a baptism Sunday on the 29th. You say, I've never been scripturally baptized. Maybe it's some mission. Or maybe just the next step as a disciple. Whatever it is, if you need someone to counsel with, I'm going to be at the front as the music plays. You follow, please, as the Lord would lead you.